This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we review and preview the big markets and business stories with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good morning to Craig. How are you doing? I am truly and honestly exhausted after this week. I have enormous Brexit fatigue and I feel like it's only just getting started. Even though we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I feel like we're just getting going. Do you think it's going to become a medical condition, this Brexit fatigue? I can I can see a story about this in the mm. next few weeks that people are suffering uh, mental health issues. And I'm actually being almost serious because yeah, yeah. I know certain... Brexit-related depression, Brexit-related stress. MPs have, have, have struggled oh, yeah. in, in Parliament because um, uh, apart from all the trolling and you know other issues death threats, of, and... death threats you know small matters like that yeah. um but uh, this endless chicanery as you called it um is is it, it is exhausting um a huge amount has happened since we spoke last friday uh super saturday as many people have said wasn't quite as super as we thought it was going to be uh, apart from England getting to the Rugby World Cup semi-final, which was always good. That was the highlight. And right? Wales, for any of our Welsh listeners as well. I'm looking forward to that this weekend. But uh, it was so near but yet so far for Boris Johnson, wasn't it? He almost had it in the bag. Well, this this is the problem, and this is where, like, he really desperately wants an election. In the start of his term, he was pretending that he didn't want an election, and that was the last thing the public needed. But it was quite clear that he did, and it's quite clear now that one is just necessary we do have a stalemate because the numbers just don't exist in parliament for one thing or another and the reason why that is is because in the last campaign both parties campaigned on uh, respecting the outcome of the referendum now what's different now is all the parties have very different ideas on how they want to approach this so we have the brexit party that want no deal we have the conservatives that want boris's deal they have the labor party that wants their own deal plus a second referendum and then they have the lib dems who don't want brexit at all so now you know what you're voting for it gives you clear number you give you a clear idea of you've who missed you're out the SNP by the way mustn't forget them I mean they want the, they, yeah. they want Scotland <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean it's, but yeah. it, it, the, the, the fact is that it's quite clear that everyone has a different stand standing on Brexit now whereas that wasn't quite so clear in the last referendum the only in the last election the last election the only thing you knew is that Labour's idea of a deal was very different from the Conservatives idea of a deal and there was fractions within primarily the Labour Party who didn't want to leave at all but now it's very clear what the, the standpoints are hopefully that will create the numbers in Parliament are you sure about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I don't think I, Labour's position is clear. Well, they, they want to negotiate their own deal and have a second referendum on it. I think that's quite but a clear... back remain in, the, well, maybe, in, well, in, in a referendum. The, a lot of them would then back remain in a referendum, but it yeah. doesn't matter because the public would still have at least have a choice within that situation, and that's right. very different from the Conservatives, where previously, if you remember in 2017, both of them were just saying, we want to respect the outcome of the referendum. That was it. Uh, so it seemed, that, it seemed that both of them were very much on the same page to an extent, but it's become quite clear that the problem with this initial Brexit vote um, that maybe many of us didn't realise at the time is that when you have the when you have such um, a fractious parliament with regards to in terms of I want to leave 
I want to leave with this deal, I want to leave with Norway, I want to leave with complete separation, then you've got, I want to remain, but if I have to, I want a customs union and a single market, I want to remain and I'm going to stand by that regardless of the referendum, I am the SNP, I want Scotland out regardless of whatever happens. When you've got such a fractured parliament, then you are in a situation whereby it's impossible to pass anything. We saw this with the amendments under Theresa May's deal in March. Parliament didn't back um, Theresa May's deal, they didn't back a customs union, they didn't back single market, they didn't back a second referendum, they didn't back anything because it's so fractured so this isn't necessarily just remain versus leave this is numerous fac fractions and we need an election now to try and sort this out and if that doesn't solve it then i literally don't see any way around this apart from a second referendum just simply because parliament has shown that they can't achieve what the public wanted and the public has shown that they can't put the people within parliament at the third time of asking in order to deliver that so it's we are in this situation whereby what is the other the other alternative homework for this weekend craig i want you to draw up a venn diagram with all those scenarios right that was just the ones that came to mind right now <laughs> <laughs> it is it is completely crazy and uh, mm -hmm. we, we've said that so many times but it it seems that the the ante is being upped daily yeah and we now got a scenario for next week where it may be that there's uh, a vote for uh, an election or not on monday that's also dependent on the eu and whether they are going to grant a short or a long-term extension um there's the other factor of the problem within the labor party you've got the people who the mps who are in uh, brexit seats uh, 19 of whom voted with the government and got that through for the first time, actually got through uh, a few days ago. Um, how is this affecting business? How is this affecting the markets at the moment? Oh, obviously, we had that, um, that, that sort of spike last week with Sterling when it looked very, very good for Boris Johnson uh, after he clinched that deal. And it's down a bit now, isn't it? And we're back to square one almost. Yeah, I don't know how it's affecting the markets, but everything you've just said has really given me a headache, which is the last thing I need on a you Friday. You don't know how it's affecting the markets? Uh, my, that's, so, that's what you're paid to know. Yeah, the, Come the, mar on. the markets are holding up. At the end of the day, yeah. we've got to remember the markets are... Uh, not emotionally attached to Brexit as much as the rest of us, regardless of how you're attached, whether it's because you're a Brexiteer or a Remainer, whether you're bored of Brexit or not bored but of Brexit. But Sterling, though. But Sterling is very steady. So Sterling, we'd rallied uh, on the, uh, in, in the lead-up to the deal. Is that partially started... because that we've... The, the no deal scenario yeah. is completely out the window. Markets are pricing in must have been what 50 60 percent chance for no deal at one yeah. stage, and then ever since that um Boris Varadkar meeting, um, where they saw the pathway yeah. to a possible Brexit, you've got to remember, I was very skeptical about the meaning of that because there were so many mm. roots out of that sentence, right? It again. That, that was the start, <laughs> Brexit, like I say, Brexit gives me a headache. Yeah. Um, that was the that was the start, it seems, of the of Sterling starting to make headway and starting to believe that no deal was an increasingly less. Poss uh, less li increasingly less likely. Now we're in a situation whereby, what would you say, like 10% chance of a no deal, which means that, which yeah. would effectively mean we have to have an election, uh, we have to have a debate over Boris's deal, Boris's deal doesn't pass Parliament, and the EU says no more extensions, and then we leave by default on the 31st of January at this point, assuming Jeremy Corbyn doesn't get his own way with, which is demanding that Boris drop no deal altogether in order to have an election. There's still so many games to be played. Um, you were saying a few moments are, ago regarding the, the, an election, and you think it's a possible um, chance for Boris Johnson next week with getting that election that he wants. I'm not sure he'll get it how he wants. It's really difficult because, as you say, there is still a lot of political brinkmanship happening. Um, as we said earlier, uh, 
the issue that we've got right now uh, is that three weeks ago, whatever it was, Jeremy Corbyn was saying that the dispatch box, if we secure the extension, we can have an election. But he was saying that at a time when Boris Johnson didn't have a deal. So he, I think he was very confident that going into an election where the Conservatives didn't have a deal, yeah. that they could actually win talking about other subjects and talking about the fact that they think they could, del- they could deliver a, a Brexit deal with the EU. Then Boris got that deal. And I, I think everyone agrees that this is not a perfect deal and it does create a border of sorts between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. Uh, and it's only a slight variation, actually, on the deal that Theresa May achieved. But then it does have a lot of backing by people who just want to move on with their lives and says this is good enough for us to move on with our lives. Um, and I think that's changed, moved the goalposts because now you've got now, now, you, now you have Jeremy Corbyn saying, well, now you have to actually take no deal off the table. I think he's making a demand there which Boris Johnson will refuse, knowing full well that Boris Johnson will refuse. It's how you get to an election from there on in. How do you pile the pressure back on Labour to have to back an election in order to make this happen? Because something has to break the deadlock. Um, and and it, it's hard to see exactly what that is going to be right now. But then... Would you have predicted a week ago that we'd be sat here having this conversation right now? Everything seems to change by the minute when it comes to Brexit. But I, I don't earlier, see a route through at the moment. We're, we're, we're even more of a deadlock than we were uh, a few weeks ago because nobody wants to commit to anything particularly apart from the Prime Minister. The EU could put a bit of pressure on uh, in that they still haven't offered the extension. And if they say, we're only offering you a two-week extension unless you confirm an election, then Jeremy Corbyn has a decision to make on whether he backs down from his no-deal demands. That's one route that we could see. There could be a number of other routes which we haven't foreseen because, as always with Brexit, we always have these little diagrams which is like, oh, well, this is a flow chart. If this happens, then this happens. And yeah. the actual reality is there's thousands more branches that we haven't actually attached to this particular diagram for things that weren't weren't easily foreseen because we don't know the little teeny tiny tweaks of Parliament and how it, how it works. And that's where these surprises keep materialising from. That's why the Letwin um, bill last weekend came out of absolutely nowhere um, and scuppered Boris Johnson's chance of getting the deal over the line. Very naive, I thought, that from uh, Oliver Letwin. I mean, he said that he just did it to avoid any no-deal mm-hmm. scenario, but actually what happened in the end is his party, or his ex-party, didn't actually have the vote in the end and we're still where we are. We could have got that through last week. When I but say then, we, I don't mean literally we. As always with Brexit, this isn't. I don't think this is as simple as naivety because he's effectively delayed the Brexit. I, there is, I do think there is complete lack of trust in Parliament now and I don't think anyone can be surprised by that. Boris Johnson spent the last two months telling people they can't trust him, telling people that he'll get around the Ben bill, telling people we'll leave on the 31st of October, deal or no deal, telling people that Parliament doesn't matter and their will will not be heard because he's going to deliver it no matter what, dying a ditch, all of these classic phrases which Boris comes out with and then he's surprised when one someone who actually supports a deal comes out and goes but I don't trust that you won't do no deal anyway but it's, he got the deal but he got the deal but that doesn't mean and he that, had the numbers but he's tried to convince everyone for a long time that he's happy with no deal there's people behind him well, who are perfectly well, happy with no deal that was part of the poker game if you're going to convince everyone that they can't trust you then you can't be surprised when people don't trust you um, yeah. and that's I, I think okay. that was part and parcel of what what drove Letwin to actually make that amendment. And also as well, actually, like you say, the fact that we've got three days to pass this legislation, that forces Parliament effectively to either pass legislation that they're not particularly happy with um, or to create a situation whereby they pass a customs union and Boris Johnson pulls the bill or Boris Johnson rejects it and then we had for no deal anyway because that's still a default. That's not how Parliament should function. Parliament should have time to scrutinise these things and do them properly. If we get an extension, that gives us plenty of time to do so and at least see where the stalls are set. But again, we're just speculating on things that can change in an absolute heartbeat. Mm -hmm. As I say, though, 
markets are quite sanguine about it all. Mark, the, the pound rallied, it's pulled off a little bit from its 130 levels, but remember it was 120 a month ago, 122 a few weeks ago, and it fell back and it's caught, and it's rose to around 130 against the US dollar, pulled back towards the 128, 129 range. That's very calm compared to the rest of us. It's the rest of us that are losing our heads. It's the rest of us that are bored, frustrated, angry uh, at how things are unfolding. Um, on, on the plus side, Craig, the, the longer we go on with this process with the EU, uh, the smaller the divorce bill, because I read that it's no longer 39 billion, but 33 billion that we have to pay because we've stayed on a bit later. And now we're going to go to probably January and beyond. We'll end up with a fairly cheap divorce. Every cloud. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is I'm, that right? I'm, I, am, am I right? I, I, I have not heard those reports, but Apparently coming back so. to a point you made earlier, yeah. I think every penny saved on the EU divorce bill is going to be spent on the NHS, mental health services uh, I'm, I'm, over yes. the next few years, dealing with everyone who's suffering the side effects of yeah. uh, of this. Because I mean, I don't know about you, like I, I have seen the, the negative. I have, I do feel like I've seen the change in people when talking about it. The change, mm. how it affects people. Um, this this Brexit saga, uh, and you see it around Westminster. You see it with MPs when they're talking. You see it everywhere. It's it's completely uh, gripped this country and everyone within it. It's caused arguments. It's caused fra- factions. It's caused it, it, it's it's caused issues within families, within friendship groups. Are we still it's, friends? Um, I mean, were we ever? <laughs> Not really. Acquaintances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, colleagues. Um, <laughs> oh. We'll discuss it over a pint and see. Yeah, indeed. Let's try and move away from Brexit because I'm going into a downward spiral as we speak. And plus, this is literally going to be outdated by the time we yeah. finish recording, it's, so what's the point? In the next 20 minutes, it's yeah. going to be out of date. Um, plenty going on on the other side of the Atlantic, thank goodness, over the next week or so. We've got the Fed meeting next week, and uh, it's pretty much nailed on for an interest rate cut, I believe. Um, yeah. Is that right? So it seems um, the markets are pricing in around a 90% chance of a third consecutive rate cut, which is quite staggering when you consider that the economy is still in relatively good shape, given that we have seen, apparently, the outlines of a phase one um, deal agreed between U- the US yeah. and China. Preemptive strike, no else. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's what we are seeing. Again, I, st- I, I still question whether it's necessary, um, but I also do feel like, the Fed has fought and fought and fought, and the markets have backed them into a corner. And there's kind, of, there's this thing with it's been uh, that's been created whereby the markets have said, if you're not going to do it, we're going to invert the yield curve, and people are going to fret about recession. If you do do it, we'll the markets will fix themselves, but you've got to do as you're told. And then, then you've got a situation whereby the the Fed's saying, well, our models tells we don't need to be cutting interest rates right now, but we are. 15 members whatever that whatever it currently is um and this is millions and millions of people in the markets who are telling us that we're wrong uh maybe we need do need to take a bit of a cue here um good for donald trump it is good for donald it is good for donald trump because he gets to kind of say i told you so while also um lambasting them for being slow and not aggressive enough etc etc um i don't believe the narrative still that this is the fed uh, caving into p- Trump pressure. They've had plenty of time to do that. I do believe this is markets uh, which are putting the pressure on the Fed. But at 90%, 90% chance of a court, I, I struggle to see a scenario whereby they resist without there being ramifications. And I just don't think they've communicated anything clearly in the last couple of weeks, which would suggest they're going to uh, resist cutting out this meeting. 
So the Fed is on Wednesday. We've also got the Bank of Canada on Wednesday. They're not cutting at all. They've um, Their economy is doing well. They've just had the election, of course, this week. Uh, Justin Trudeau uh, won the election, just although about. he lost his majority. Yeah. He lost the popular vote as well. This is the interesting thing. He lost the popular mm. vote to the Conservatives, but secured many more seats than him. He only just fell shy of a majority in terms of number of seats, but without actually winning the uh, popular vote. He's, uh, I believe he said he's not, he's not interested in a coalition with the NDP, but um, I'm sure talks will continue because technically, I guess, the UK, the UK Conservative government didn't go into an, uh, a coalition with the DUP. It was a confidence and supply agreement. So um, we'll see how things do pan out there. Markets were pretty all right with how that went. I think they're quite happy with how the economy is ticking along and um, and Trudeau's leadership of it, despite the personal controversy that there has been around him uh, over the last uh, month in particular, um, which uh, I, I don't think we'll go into. But the no disrespect to Canada, but how important is the Canadian economy on a sort of global scale? What sort of indicators are there? I mean, it is it is still one of the world's largest economies, so it's it's clearly quite important. They've just done a, obviously a big trade agreement with the EU, which the EU sees as a massive win. Um, yes. It only took eight years, um, so that, that that gives me hope for phase two. It's going to be easy. That gives me yeah, it gives me a lot of hope for phase two of don't, Brexit. Don't go back to Brexit, yeah, um, Craig. You've been warned. The, <laughs> Um, so it, it is still uh, it is still extremely important, um, but they're not cutting interest rates. That's the, that's that's the interesting thing right now. And over the course of the next year, there's only a fifty fifty chance. There's only fifty percent chance that they'll even cut interest rates once. The markets were quite chilled with regards to the results uh, politically as well. So there's no pressure on the Bank of Canada to do anything uh, this meeting. And then finally, we've got Bank of Japan. Um, yeah. They haven't really changed. Um, for a long, long time. But there is increasing uh, talk now that they could cut interest rates uh, from minus 0.1 to minus 0.3. Not convinced it's going to come at this meeting. Market's pricing in around 25% chance. But I think that this is a sign from the markets that they do think one of the upcoming meetings that is where they're going to strike. Minus 0.1 to minus 0.3. I know. Can you imagine the economic effects? It's going to be dramatic. <laughs> uh, this is back to ECB again, isn't it? When, when yeah. they cut from minus 0.4 to minus 0.5. Talk about pointless. Yeah. Um, back to the United States, though. We've got the latest GDP figures as well. And around about this time next week, we're going to get the uh, non-farm payroll, those, uh, those jobs figures, which have been pretty indecisive uh, over the last uh, few months or so. But uh, let's start with US GDP. Uh, that will be quite important for Donald Trump, won't it? Yeah, it will. And we've got to remember, we've had it's been a bit of a mixed start to the year. We had one quarter, we had, we had decent growth. We had one quarter, we had less good growth at 2%. We're averaging growth around 2.5% this year. I think if we can achieve that, then that's just good enough. We're going into an election year, I remember, so every piece of data just now really one starts to matter. And there yeah. is that old adage in the market, it's the economy stupid, basically. If the economy's doing well, Trump, I'm sure, will coast the election. If the economy's not doing well, then questions may be raised about his handling of everything from the trade war to to, to taxes etc uh, will be far more heavily scrutinized but he's going to be very he's going to be very very aware of that so we've got the gdp figures and then we've got the jobs report on friday this is the most widely followed economic report that we ever see 
And but again, this is very healthy. We've had a bit of a, we've seen a bit of a slowdown in job creation. But when you're at three point five percent unemployment, it has to slow down at some point, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so many unemployed people, so I don't think that's necessarily too much of a, a damaging thing here. May take some of the um, shine away from the report in terms of how important it is, but it's always going to be very closely uh, followed. And when we're talking about everything that we have next week, and we've got earnings season on top of that, I mean, we haven't even got to that yet. We've got earnings season. Uh, we've we, we've got into the crux of it this week. We've had... Um, it's been a bizarre one, actually. It's a very mixed season so far in terms of the results. We had mixed reports from banks. We had mixed reports now from uh, some of these tech companies. We've just had the really bizarre situation, which I can't even remember the last time we'll have seen anything like this, where we had Amazon off 8-9% today um, because their earnings uh, report missed because they've been investing heavily in uh, Amazon Web Services. And we had Tesla strongly beat by actually posting a hundred odd million dollar profit when they were expecting to post another loss so we've got a situation whereby we've got amazon plunging in uh, pre-markets we've got tesla last night soaring in uh, pre-markets and that's just that just goes completely against uh, the trend of where these two companies have been performing in a past earnings season which i think is quite interesting but overall it's been quite mixed but we get loads more earnings reports uh, still to come next week which again i mean i feel exhausted now I'm really going to have to get a lot of sleep over this weekend. This weekend is going to be rugby and sleep, I think, um, because Sounds next week me. is going to be absolutely exhausting between yeah. earnings, Brexit, jobs reports, central banks. Um, it should be extremely interesting uh, to follow, and I think this time next week I may have a few bags under my eyes, but I think that should make for an extremely interesting show because there's so much in, so much happening. Well, we wish the best of luck to both England and Wales. Prediction on either of those games i have i have a i, I have an unfortunate feeling that <laughs> yeah. both of us will be disappointed i think uh, i think south africa are a very very good team and you don't need to you don't you don't need to go into too much detail to uh, ask why news i think new zealand are an extremely good team i think that's i think that's gonna be an incredible game though new england new zealand yeah um, but I just feel like if New Zealand turn up, then um, we've really England have to play at their best, and New Zealand have to play slightly under. That's yeah, it, the scenario, really. But it, it? it's going to be an incredible game, yeah. regardless. Okay, speak to you again next week. Thanks very much. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.